0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is a show for our friends putting together the legendary racing prospect series over at Open Stable. This is a show specifically about Epicenter. Huge day for him in the Travers on Saturday. We've got guests from the Epicenter team, going to be talking to special members of our team. I'm going to put together a little show for you, unlike anything we've done before. But before we get to it all, I did want to bring in from Open Stable, a man who hopefully you heard earlier this week on our show, explain the concept in great detail, Brian Klatsky. How are things, my friend? Things are good. Crazy as always, but good. Thanks, Peter. I want to talk about this project in general, the Legendary Racing Prospect Series. Well, for
1: us, it's about sharing the experience Um As you are an owner of the horse, you know, with a lot of great horses, there's, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. The journey is exhilarating. And a lot of the fans don't always get a chance to see all that. And what we want to do with this collection is be able to bridge that gap and let fans join the team and be a part of that ride. So through content like this, as well as both digital and and physical collectibles engagement and access we try to bring it all together
0: and give you that ownership experience as a fan you mentioned it's a digital asset so you're you're getting an nft but this isn't just some theoretical thing you also have a physical collectible as well as the content experiences tell us a little about the physical collectible
1: the physical collectible is just like an amex platinum card in your wallet it is a uh, image of the nft of the horse on the um, platinum card on the back, it actually has in Sharpie an authentic signature from either the owner, trainer or jockey of con- of the connections here of that particular horse. You'll get that with the NFT. But this is more about using the blockchain to create an access ticket to the club. The NFT is exciting, but really we use that NFT to show proof of ownership And it's also transferable. You know, some fans will look at it as a long term collectible. Others may view it as something to speculate on. It's not meant to be about trading, but that trading component is there. It's all limited edition. We want to create a great experience, whether it includes digital trophies, actual horseshoes, paddock passes, tickets to events, everything. That you would expect to have either as a syndicate owner or as an owner, you get that in this experience.
0: The physical card is gorgeous, I'll say. It's a particularly nice picture. It really feels like something worth having. I'm scared to introduce my daughter to this concept because she's going to want them all. But, you know, that's another uh, that's another story. I do want to explain that the type of content we are doing today, eventually this will be for club members, but we figure it's the beginning of the process. Let's give folks a little bit of a taste of what some of that insider content might be like. Anything else we should tell the people before we get going with this thing?
1: It's all about being able to feel like you're a part of the horse and having these types of podcasts, insider Zooms, lets you feel like that owner. That is in that circle. It's different than just reading the form, reading an article in TDN. It's about, hey, I know what's going on behind the scenes. And when I watch that horse run, I feel a part of that horse.
0: I love the concept. I love the idea of being part of creating content for this fan club. And where can folks go to learn more?
1: openstable.io. You can learn everything about the horses, the jockeys, and uh, trainers coming soon.
0: Brian, thanks for your time. And Next up, you're going to hear Jonathan Kinchin talking to Ron Winchell. Then you'll have my conversation with Scott Blassie, and we'll wrap things up with the Hall of Famer, Ramon Dominguez, speaking with Joel Rosario. Here's Jonathan Kinchin. Ron Winchell, how are you, sir?
2: Doing great. Good to be here. Thank you.
3: Yeah, I'd imagine that Uh, on a Wednesday we recorded this on a Wednesday a Wednesday leading into the Travers it'd be hard for an owner to say they're not doing great if they happen to have the favorite in the Travers States
2: yeah I mean obviously a lot of anticipation of the Travers you know it's it it shaped up for uh, where where Epicenter is in his current career which I think you know this is probably a deciding moment for three-year-old championships so it's uh Travers which is a giant race and it something to be excited about and you throw on top of there the potential three-year-old championship. So, so it's, you know, so it's a, it's a week that will, uh, go by slowly for me until Saturday.
3: Yeah. Uh, I understand that. Ron, the name Epicenter, what, uh, what was the reason behind that when you made that decision?
2: Well, I mean, there was no specific, uh, you know, reason we, you know, I try to look at the horses we have and the, the good prospects and I like to put, you know, probably, you know, like a strong name on them. Um, you know epicenter is kind of the center of everything right it's like the epicenter of an earthquake or you know however you want to put that and so i yeah, it's just pretty fitting for you know how he's turned out he's obviously you know currently the epicenter of the three-year-old crop i i think so you know nothing specific on the name other than that
3: now i don't know how you feel about this but i'll tell you how i feel about it when it comes to what we saw from epicenter and the jim dandy you know, uh, early voting, a quality, quality race or Zandon as well. But to me, it, I felt like Epicenter had the worst trip in that race. And um, if if you were caught on an elevator and someone didn't know anything about racing, what would you tell them as to why you're so confident or if you're not confident or whatever, why, why you're so confident about Epicenter and, and the Travers?
2: Well, yeah, I think you might've saw a little bit of a different dynamic on them. I mean, I think, you know, watching that race, I kind of felt like maybe he's he's learned to time the races. Uh, you know, I think we saw that with Gun It took a while in his career, but yeah, you know, he kind of learned to be pretty pretty calm and you know maintain a you know calm and resolute kind of position and, and not be have to be toward the front and and then he kind of timed it and just timed himself perfectly. I mean, if you saw Joel, it didn't do much. You know, he kind of sat on him and uh you know i also felt like uh, you know there's probably a couple horses there working in tandem against him trying to bait him into going faster and and kind of a one-two punch and uh you know it it couldn't have turned out any better i was you know pretty pleased with how the result was how he ran
3: And, and obviously uh i i don't feel as badly as you do about it i can assure you of that but i i can tell you i felt a little bit of disappointment the first Saturday in May, uh, I liked Epicenter. I liked Zandon. I, I, the exact that would have been very nice for me if it wasn't for that little rascal sneaking up the rail. Did you see Rich Strike coming uh, on the first Saturday in May, or was it? Uh, were you focused on Zandon on the outside?
2: Did, did anybody see Rich Strike coming? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess if you own Rich Strike, you thought oh, I have a shot because you know, every owner always thinks they have a shot, right? Right. But uh, yeah, I think you know that was kind of my exact as well. Was you know I had. I had you know, epicenter over Zandon. I think I think Joel was doing a good job in the Derby, kind of uh, keeping his eye on where Zandon was, and he was he was riding to who he thought he had to beat. And you know, the rest is history. No one saw that. No one saw Rich Strike coming. Um, you know, it's pretty much a feel good story for probably the rest of the world. The longest shot beats the favorite, but you know, not not a feel good story for me. But <laughs>
3: Let's fast forward a couple of weeks. Um, I think it was, and as a horse player, I can say it a little bit more aggressively, but I I wasn't crazy about the trip that Epicenter got. I I thought he would be more forward in the preakness. Um, I thought uh, that, that it was possible that maybe Joel was a little bit passive in that situation. It's water under the bridge at this point. I thought for sure, based on that trip, that Epicenter was going to be forwardly ridden. Um, in the Jim dandy, was that the plan all along between Steve and Joel and yourself of let's take this horse back and make one run? Cause I, like I said, I thought for sure, based off the preakness, he was going to be forward.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, I think, you know, with the short field in that race, you know, you kind of had to leave it up to Joel to kind of decide. Um, I think, I think Epicenter kind of helped him and then Jim Dandy decided like, Hey, he was going comfortable. You know, I think it was a tiring track that day. You know, I, I, he dropped back a little farther than I anticipated, um, but, he, but he looked comfortable. So, yeah, you know, there's a nervous moment there, and uh, but he was always well within himself. So it was, turned out good, obviously.
3: You know, it's, it's exciting, obviously, to have this potential situation with Epicenter winning the Travers. And like you mentioned, I, I think if he can win on Saturday, which I believe he will, if he does win on Saturday, I think you're in the driver's seat, like you mentioned, for, for three-year-old champion barring you know some of the other horses maybe making a splash in a race like the classic or something moving forward um but you also have a little back of your pocket route which i think is kind of funny with the two gun runners that are going to be in the race the cyber knife and uh and, and with early voting it's uh you know obviously we're hoping for epicenter to have his great day but it's a nice little hedge to have in your back pocket
2: Right, I mean that that was kind of like the preakness, you know. The only solace in the preakness was getting beat by a gun runner. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, like there's two gun runners. Gun runners, obviously, uh, you know, kind of he, he's done. He's doing more right now than I've seen any other sire do. In fact, you know, I, we obviously talk about it a lot, but he uh, he, they just seem to be a little bit better than than all the other horses, and so it's it's kind of impressive when you see that you know. Couple of gun runners here, you know. Same thing with like the you know the Haskell. Same thing with the Gunites race. Uh, you know, last race there was you know three gun runners in there. You know, we ran first, and then I think it was third and fourth. Like, I don't know how a sire does that. So yeah, there's there's a lot to think about when it comes to that because you know gun runners just seem to be better. Like I said.
3: And it, and and it's it's funny because you know this is not your first rodeo, so it's not like you're 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 talking from a uh, a platform that you haven't been at you, you for the longest time you're involved and you, you raced and your family raced and you the the arguably one of the greatest sires of all time in tap it. And, and to go from from, from tap it who's still successful to, to, to have this young protege uh, it's got to be a proud moment for you and your family and the breeding operation that you guys have
2: uh, I mean yeah there's nothing better when you're in this business I mean the backbone of, of the racing industry is, is the sires and uh you know so i've got a lot to compare to when it comes to tap it and and we do that frequently by the way it's like you know where were we the first you know year second year with tap it and and where are we with gunrunner and it's and it's surprising because you know when you look back at tap it it was like it's hard to imagine you can get better when when we saw his stallion career kind of unfold yeah gunrunner is actually doing a lot better so it's 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 going to be really interesting to see where it goes from here because like I said, they just seem better than anything else.
3: Ron, tell me a little bit about your involvement in the partnership that you have with uh, Open Stable and Open Locker with this Epicenter. You also have the Echo Zulu, but the Epicenter uh, NFT uh, project that you guys are working on. Tell me a little bit about how that kind of got started and why that was something you were interested in, in being a part of.
2: You know, I, I think it's it's something to just really promote racing and maybe it's a different angle and. And I think these NFTs, you know, like I don't fully understand them. I don't know who fully understands them completely, but they're obviously something to it. It brings people in. You know, if it can add people to, to uh, you know, get a little more visibility into our sport and get a little more interest, I think that's great. Obviously, uh, I was hoping that Epicenter would win the Derby and there'd be a little more excitement around the NFT kind of uh, concept and, and how that goes forward. But I think those guys, you know, they're, they're kind of bringing something different. I, I like to do things different. So when someone brings an idea and it's different, you know, I'm usually pretty game for it.
3: Yeah. I think one of the things that I like about it is, is it's, it, you know, it feels like a, uh, a soft spot between micro shares and that fan experience, right? It's like you could join these uh, different, um, you know, micro share partnerships and you can, you know, quote unquote, own a piece of the horse and, and you know, if the horse goes on to win a big race. It, it's not like you're it's going to change your life in terms of your financial interest in the horse. But I think the part of it that comes with that ownership is you get to go to the paddock. You get to go to the winner's circle. You get to say this is my horse. This is my experience. This is my field. But I think that this NFT project brings a lot of that to the equation. If you have the the epicenter NFT and you won the Jim Dandy, you got a, a special trophy that only the people that owned the, the the NFT at that time got. Also, there's the opportunity to, to win a drawing to come into the winner's circle or into the paddock. So you still get that experience um, of quote unquote owning and, and it still kinda has that fun trading card collectible feel to it as well.
2: Right. I think that's I think that's a good point because you know I think part of this is like what can we do to bring a you know one of a, a lifetime experience to someone that says, Hey, I'm just gonna buy into this NFT and then all of a sudden you know, like you said, you're in the winter circle, and you're part you're part of the experience. Like, you know, that's that's part of it. How do we bring that to, you know, regular people out in the world that are just like, hey, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to invest in a horse or buy a horse, right? But I can invest in the in the the concept and the idea and tie myself to that product or that individual, and that's what it, that's what we try to do.
3: Well, I can tell you, I'll be rooting for Epicenter. Uh, I, I'm going to single the horse. In every wager that I make, I, I think that he's he's proven himself to be the most consistent, uh, the most durable, and and uh, probably con- consistently the fastest three-year-old in the country. And, and like I said, I, I thought his, his trip last time was the worst. So how early voting or, 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 or Zandon um, can turn the tables on him, I just don't quite see it. So we'll be rooting like heck for you. And you just got to let us know next time you're going to debut a gun runner that's going to run off the screen. Just let me know a little, little bit ahead of time.
2: <laughs> well we've got a couple more two-year-olds hopefully we'll surprise you with two so you know we'll, we'll see how that works out but uh but yeah and i hope you cash your tickets on saturday because you know then we'll both be happy
3: so. ron i appreciate it best of luck in the run happy travert
0: all right thank you the next guest on the show i'm very excited to speak about we've actually met before it was back in early 2010 at the eclipse awards we were at the same table and let me say, I was doubly excited when Rachel Alexandra was named the horse of the year, not just because I thought she deserved it on her body of work, because the mood at the table wouldn't have been so good, I think, um, had that one gone another way. I'm talking about a top assistant in the Asperson barn, Scott Blassey. Scott, how are things?
4: What Rachel did that year, she, she went 8 and 0. I think she won at seven different racetracks. The body of work that she put together, you know, winning the Preakness, winning, you know, beating older horses at Saratoga. It was just uh, a, a very special body of work that she put together. And she was absolutely amazing
0: that year. Of course, you're here today to talk about Epicenter. A lot of folks listening have been involved with this NFT project, and it's kind of like a super duper version of a fan club where folks want to hear the inside perspective. What can you tell us about how Epicenter's doing ahead of this big test on Saturday?
4: You know, we're just really excited about him to see
0: how this horse has flourished up here at Saratoga. I
4: mean, he has just thrived up here. His condition is good. Attitude's great. There's just a lot more horse there than before the Derby. We're excited that we've had a race over the racetrack. You know, we're looking forward to Saturday.
0: There's been a lot of talk about how deep and tiring the Saratoga surface has been. Maybe not the easiest for horses off layoffs, not the easiest for first-time starters, though. There's a few in your barn that did pretty well over it first time out. But I'm curious to see what effect you think having that race over the track is going to have for Epicenter.
4: I think it definitely helps. The the track has been heavy this year. He went 140 tiring track, and... That was a pretty legitimate time. Hopefully just getting to walk out of his own stall, walk over, and he's had a good six weeks up here.
0: He's a really interesting runner because unlike a lot of horses, it seems like he can do well in a variety of pace scenarios. He's shown a lot of speed. He's come from farther back. What kind of trip would you like him to have come Saturday in the Travers?
4: I would just like to see him get a clean trip, get comfortable with whether he's at and like anything else, you just don't want to see him getting, get in trouble. You want him to have a, you know, ha- have their chance to show who
0: they are. He's an interesting horse in the sense that he has, he's had a lot of awesome achievements, but he has, in my mind, kind of a dubious achievement. I think he was best in the Derby and the Preakness without getting that key top level grade one win. As a huge Epicenter fan myself, I'm hoping he can get it on Saturday. How do you feel about his chances specifically to finally get that big grade one win as a three-year-old here?
4: It's been frustrating for us as well, but it's you just got to let the races speak for themselves. And I think on Saturday, he's going to show that he's at the top of the three-year-old crop. What's done's done. There's no going back. There's no do-over. So we just got to work from where we're at.
0: What is he like just as an equine
4: personality? What is he like to be around? Oh, he's awesome. He's, he's, he's got a great personality, a lot of presence about him. He's got a beautiful eye on him. Just, just a very intelligent horse that takes care of himself.
0: We want some perspective insider. What are like his favorite snacks, more of mints, more carrots. Like what does he, what does he enjoy? He's
4: a big carrot. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Loves his carrots. You might be getting a ship, a, couple, a couple of shipments coming up based on the, the love that, that pe- people have of this horse. What do you think his ceiling is? I mean, is this a horse you can see um, going on to do big things this fall as well?
4: I do. I think back on Gunrunner, who was as, as good as they come, and, and he hadn't won a grade one by this time
0: of his three-year-old year. So
4: I think this horse is continuing to mature and improve. I see a lot of that in him.
0: That's certainly high praise when you're mentioning in the same breath as a runner like that who's gone on to have uh, have so many uh, so many achievements. I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, where he fits among the runners that you've been around. It's hard,
4: you know, it's hard to gauge that. You know, it's just their body of work's not done, and who, and you know, obviously we hope that, that you know at the end of the day there's a lot of big things
0: ahead of him. He's a
4: tremendously talented horse, and th- I think he has that talent level.
0: What did you think of his last piece of work uh, in the morning?
4: The half mile, it's just a little easier. He's feeling really good off of it. I like to think physically he's going into this race really well.
0: And what happens after the last work ahead of a race like this for a horse like that? What are his preparations like in these couple of days leading up to the big race?
4: Just a couple easy gallops. He'll stand in the gate. He'll have a paddock schooling session tomorrow. And then that'll be about it
0: no news is good news always in, in racing <laughs> as much experience as he has is that still something that you would typically do ahead of a big race get him over there and and just give him that paddock experience in the in the afternoon or is that something that's more unique to something about him and his personality
4: no it's something we do with all of them kind of helps turn the light bulb on and they know what's getting ready to happen but you want them to go over and you want them to be relaxed and you know not not get washed out in the paddock and you know do things you know we try to prepare him the, th- the things that we can control and that's one of them
0: how does he typically behave in the in the pre-parade uh, situation
4: he's really good in the post parade um he, he, he's no
0: problem at all to run seems to enjoy his racing and thrive on it really excited to see what he does saturday and beyond scott so much for taking some time out to, to talk to us and all the epicenter fans out there all right, guys, hopefully we do big things on Saturday. Next up, live from Saratoga Racecourse, in the Money Media Zone,
5: Ramon Dominguez speaks to Joel Rosario.
6: You have, what is it like to ride uh, Epicenter?
5: Oh, Epicenter is a nice horse and an easy horse to ride. And I wish all the horses that are ride was like him. He's just uh, unbelievable. And, you know, he has a nice cruising speed, and uh, he just makes your job easy.
6: You have ridden him close up. You have ridden him far back. What do you think is his best style?
5: I think his best style is like, it. whatever he, he puts you in a race, you know, he's a nice horse, he tries really hard and then, you know, sometimes he shows speed, another time he just takes a time and uh, they just I uh, ride him just to always trying to figure him out what he want to do.
6: What do you think that the tactics will be for this Saturday, for the travers Do you have anything in mind whether you think that there will be speed or that you want to be farther back like you were in the gym, Dandy, or, or you don't know yet? I don't know. I just also depends how he break out again. You know, so he he
5: he shows peace on you know some time and uh, last time you know he broke well and we just inside it there and uh, I mean look like the other couple they really want you know that position and uh, just let him be happy and uh, just let him run his race the way he wants.
6: How has uh, Epicenter changed since you first rode him? I
5: mean, he changed a lot. I think you know he's uh, it was incre- incredible what he been doing. He's uh, I remember when Wing was hanging and Churchill down, and uh, I think he was—he just broke his mating that time. And uh, he looked really impressive. He went speed. He showed a lot of speed. He kept going, kept going, and uh, yeah, he's now he's safe, he can do whatever he wants.
6: You have ridden so many good horses. How does he compare to other horses?
5: I mean, he it's incredible. Like I say, you know, you remember what happened in the Breaking does we Hang? Like he didn't have a good break, and then we kind of—I get dumped up from inside, inside. I couldn't get my position right away. And then I was inside the whole time, maybe know what I want to do, you know, I just in whole, the whole time inside there. And he came and he just got be like a length and a half. You know, for the whole race, it looked like he was gonna win to me for home, but it was obviously a lot, too much to do. And, and, and he showed hard to, after that time, I have, a, you know, my respect for him.
6: Joel, he ran very well in the Kentucky Derby, in the Preakness, but he's still missing a great one. What would it mean for you to win uh, the Traverse with uh, Epicenter? I'm, I mean, to me, a lot. I never went to travel before. And
5: uh, uh, I mean, and for, and, and for Steve and Winchell, I, that, I mean, I, they've been giving me a lot of opportunity. So I, if, if I give it a great one, that would be amazing. Great stuff there from Joel and
0: Ramon. I want to thank all of today's guests Ron Winchell, JK, and of course, Scott Blassie. Who joined me earlier, Brian Klatsky, the whole team over at OpenStable. We hope you check out this project and you think it's as cool as we do. And we hope you enjoyed listening to the show as much as we enjoyed producing it. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney, Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos.